Welcome to Life on the Hill. If this is your first time joining us, this podcast is intended for Hamilton College students and the Hamilton College community to stay up to date on what's going on around campus and to hear the voices of people committed to the success of Hamilton College students. My name is Travis Hill, and I'm the host of this program. In this episode, we'll speak with Tessa Shafalo, Director of Orientation and First Year Programs. Thanks for joining me, Tessa. Thanks for having me, Travis. This is a lot different than the last time we met to record True, the podcast. True story. Yeah. You know, we talked about this before we got on here that you are officially the first person to be interviewed twice on the podcast other than Dean Martinez. So congratulations. You're a big deal. Thank you. I feel very fancy. <laughs> and the truth when, is that I'm I'm probably much more comfortable this time around at home sitting on my couch than I was when we were in a padded room somewhere. I don't even remember where on campus last time recording this in person. Yes, padded room sounds very scary. Uh, What we really mean. (laughs) (laughs) We mean a soundproof room, but yeah, I'm sure. All right, this time of year is a time that I always think about you because you are helping us gear up for the transition of our newest students to join the Hill and Rather than asking you the traditional what brought you to Hamilton question, since you've already answered it, and anybody who is desperate to know that story can go and look up the original podcast that you did with me. So instead, given that we're looking at some transition happening, can you talk a little bit about what you do to prepare yourself for transition, as well as things you've learned or tips that you would suggest since you have helped support many, many students in their transition? Sure. I actually think part of why I enjoy my job at Hamilton so much might be that I do personally struggle with transitions, like almost all of us do, right? They're not always comfortable for me and they cause me a little bit of stress, even if it's a good transition, even if it's something I'm really excited about and looking forward to. But kind of on the flip side of that, I also really love the start of a new semester because for me, it really feels like a fresh start, right? Like it's a chance to look back and think, okay, maybe in the fall, I didn't do everything as well as I'd wanted to. Maybe I didn't get the grades I'd wanted to. Maybe I wasn't quite as organized or didn't step out of my comfort zone or try new things as much as I'd wanted to. But this is a chance to try it all again, right? To buy my fresh new school supplies, to have my nice clean notebook and to go to class and look at the syllabus and try out a new organization and really just start it all again. And that is something I love about not only my work, but I just love that about the college experience that you kind of get a little bit of a a restart. Yeah. So that's not so much a tip as just, I think, a framework of thinking about the start of a new year and an approach to a transition in life is kind of thinking about it as an opportunity and a fresh start. So when I think about the college transition, specifically starting at college for the first time, my biggest tip would be to ask questions, right? To not be afraid to speak up when there's something that you need or just to ask, even if you don't know what you need, you have a question or you have a problem that you need to solve or something that you feel you need access to and you don't know where to start, just ask somebody. And often that can just be asking the people in front of you. So obviously it would be hard for me to talk about this without talking about orientation, your orientation leaders are a great example of that, right? So they are there 
to be the people who can help answer your questions. And plenty of cases, they might not have all the answers, but they can help point you to the right person because they've got a little bit of experience on campus. They're connected to me and I can help kind of further connect you to other people on campus. They're eager for your questions. And that's pretty much true of most people at Hamilton, right? Faculty and staff that you run into, even if they aren't the person who works in that specialty, they are totally willing to help you find the answer or help you find the person who can navigate you along the path to that answer. So just asking questions, right? Don't wait, don't sit on a problem, not knowing what to do and wait for it to kind of roll out further. Sure. Ask a question and see what you can do to, to help yourself along that way. And similar to that, I would just say making connections with people is really gonna be probably the biggest thing that will create success for any student at Hamilton because it, it can really feed so much of our well-being, right? Our emotional well-being, our social well-being, and in a lot of other ways, our, our academic well-being and our physical well-being. If we've got somebody to join us for a meal, there's just a lot of ways that having people in your life, people that you feel you can trust and are connected to can make a difference. And it doesn't have to be a lot of people. It can be one person. It could be two. Sure. Two is great. <laughs> But it doesn't have to be 10, especially if you're looking for strong relationships, right? It's sometimes often easier to build that with fewer people. And my last tip, I think, uh, in terms of approaching transitions is to be patient. And mm. this is, this will be such a huge help, but I also recognize it's probably the hardest thing to do. It doesn't feel good a lot of times to be patient and wait for, you, wait for your experience to feel better, right? It's hard to be patient and wait to find those people on campus that you connect with. It's hard to be patient when you look around and it seems like other people are having an experience that you want, but you haven't yet kind of settled into for yourself. But I actually was in a conversation just yesterday, I think, with our January orientation leaders this year, and they brought this topic up, right? When we were mm. talking about what tips they had for incoming new students, what they most wanted them to understand. And one of the things that came up in conversation was this element of waiting, because it will happen, right? Sure. It will happen for you. You will find your people. You will find the place that you fit at Hamilton or whatever it is you're transitioning to. But it almost never happens in those very first weeks. And in many sure. cases, it doesn't even happen the first semester, or you might find some place to fit in that first semester, but it often is not the place that's going to be your long-term place, right? But I know that it's it's hard while you're waiting for that to happen. Yes. <laughs> so I think those other steps and kind of tips that I mentioned first are the ones that I would suggest, especially for that period of time where you are still just settling in. Make yourself a comfortable space on campus, whether that's a little corner of your room or you find another place you like to spend time and and try to work on those connections and, and asking questions as a way to build up to finding your people and finding your space. That's good. Yeah, I try to normalize that as much as I can if I'm sitting in an admission panel or if I have the chance to speak to new students to acknowledge that that nervous, excited, anxious feeling that you have going into a transition is normal, but you might be tempted to think that it will only go well if that feeling goes away quickly that you get onto campus and you meet your orientation group or your orientation leader and all of a sudden you're like, I expect that feeling to just go away and I am now magically comfortable and at ease. 
And unfortunately, that's just not typically how it works. It almost never works like that. It's much more normal if normal is something that you'd want to try to identify. You have that feeling go on for probably longer than you had expected or hoped. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say about the asking questions, one of my favorite, I've been at Hamilton for 45,000 years and at one time was responsible for running orientation. And one of my favorite individual moments was when a group of students had exited a building after having a program and students just started to go away. They were done for the night. They were supposed to head back to their residence hall. And we were kind of in in an odd corner of campus, one that they hadn't necessarily been to yet. And they meander off. And then all of a sudden about the, the sixth student walks up to me and says, can you point me to my residence hall? Sure. It's just go straight down this way, do this, that. And all of a sudden I saw the the five or six people ahead of that student turn back and everyone else come toward me. And they're like, actually, can you also point me to North? And can you point me to Wurtimer and this, that, and the other? And I was like, absolutely. And you could tell that the students ahead were like, if I have to, I'll sleep in a bush, but I'm not going to ask because I feel like I should know where I'm going. And And when someone else was brave enough to ask the question, they all realized, no, that's probably the smarter answer. So I like your tip about asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good analogy and kind of similar to a a quick example that I think I probably gave in the last time you recorded me for the podcast, but I often give to students who are asking me about kind of making connections in the first semester, which is that you know, when you walk into the dining hall at any point and look around, of course, it feels like everybody else has their friends, right? That's kind of what it looks like because people are sitting together and they're having a conversation. And so it's really easy, especially I think in your first year to feel like everybody else met their best friend except for me. Sure. But often you're not seeing the people who are still seeking a friend and they're not broadcasting it, right? If you think, I think if you take a second and reflect on like, oh, am I going around broadcasting to everyone? Like I haven't found my best friend yet. How can I do that? And if the answer is no, then probably other people aren't doing that either. But based on just the numbers of students that I alone talk to each year who are going through that, I know that the number is much higher than the people who even make their way to me and that it's just really common for students of all years and often even sometimes sophomores in their first semester. They're like, yeah, I have friends, but I think I'm still working to find the place I really fit. And it's okay in the meantime, right, to have those friendships that are working well for you, but maybe aren't going to be your best friend, long-term friendships. We all change as people over the course of time and certainly over the course of four years at college. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that the friendships you make at the beginning, even the connections, like the people you sit next to in class at the beginning, are nice people to talk to, but you don't feel like they're exactly the right fit for you, that's okay. You can still be friends with them and and hang out with them and spend time with them as you all kind of develop into the friendships that are the right fit for you. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I like the imagery of where whatever the context and the example you gave of the dining hall, but wherever it may be that you're meandering on your own, feeling a little bit adrift and seeing people who seem like they have it under control. And I like to sometimes spend time thinking about what's going through the mind of even people who you perceive have it under control. And I can say with a high level of confidence, especially early on, that even people who are sitting at a table together, there's some part of some of them, if not all of them, thinking, whew, now I have to fake it till I make it at this table. Because that's still part of it, is even if you've gotten to a spot where you're 
sharing in a space with some folks if you're still they're not they haven't become your true friend yet that you're still hoping that those connections continue to grow and you're trying to put yourself out there and that that is also a challenging spot to be in and a passerby might think look at that lucky soul and that person still sitting there thinking Whew, i hope i'm getting this right <laughs> Sure. I'm not sure that ever goes away, right? You True. might be at commons around a table, but there are plenty of moments, I think, even in our adult lives where we feel like that, right? We feel like we're like, oh, I hope, I hope I'm doing okay in this moment and, and connecting with people. Absolutely. So let's talk about the new students. I'm, I'm sure most of our community is well aware, but some may not be that we are bringing in a whole new population of folks, some of whom have tried college elsewhere and many of whom are new to the college scene and joining us. You certainly, though you've been planning orientation, you didn't start thinking about them two weeks ago or two months ago. They join your community that you are looking to build from the moment that they sign on to become part of the Hamilton community. So can you talk a bit about the strategies that you typically use as you prepare to support our January students and how you've had to do that somewhat differently this year, given the pandemic conditions. Yeah. Yeah, most of the new students who will be joining us this January, and we always have a group of new students who join us every January, most of this year's students have kind of been connected to Hamilton for almost a full year now, right? Many of them were accepted to the college last spring, spring of 2020, which feels like a lifetime ago, right? Indeed, yes. February, March, April 2020. So it's been a long journey for them in a lot of ways. And in terms of welcoming our new class this year, you know, our new January class, I've certainly been in touch with them since last spring. And that evolved pretty dramatically from you know, February to March, when we had a little bit of communication to figuring out over the summer what, what our plan even for the fall was going to look like and how we could keep them connected as well. And one really interesting thing that came out of this past year was that in the, the late spring and early summer, when we weren't able to do as a college, we weren't able to do some of the same in-person things that we usually do. For example, admitted students or accepted students will come to campus for a visit in the spring if they're able. We had to transition to a lot of virtual opportunities for connection. And so one thing that I found to be really kind of fortunate in that experience, I mean, maybe it's a funny year to say that anything is fortunate, but one thing I enjoyed about the spring and summer in that way was that switching to virtual allowed us to bring a lot more people into the experience, right? Mm -hmm. So our students who are coming in January, who over the summer before they start at Hamilton in a typical year would have some connections to campus and some connections to their peers, but they'd often be a little bit more limited, right? Because they're their transition process is a little bit longer. So some of the communication that we send out isn't doesn't include them as much, right? Because it is more detailed to students studying on campus. But this year, we started a new series of email newsletters. We hosted a bunch of Zooms and sometimes they included, you know, student leaders on campus, students who worked in various campus offices, folks from across the Dean of Students Office and the Division of Student Life Staff. And our incoming January admission students were invited to attend those too, right? So they got a few connections over the summer that they might not have normally had. And I, this is actually something I plan to continue moving forward because mm -hmm. I think it's great 
to have everybody in the entire class, regardless of their start date, involved and connecting before they step foot on campus. For the group of students who arrives in January, some of the other things we do are a mentor program. So mm -hmm. they can choose to sign up with a mentor on campus. So a student who's here, typically a sophomore student, who can talk to them a little bit about what it's like to transition to campus in January, help answer their questions, and help them kind of start smoothly when they come in January. And a lot of those students end up being January orientation leaders too, which is really mm -hmm. nice. And then that same group of students, most of the mentors actually, and some of the students who are January orientation leaders have done a lot of work this past fall to host some Zooms, kind of do some Q and A's, some student panels, and really set up some kind of casual social opportunities via Zoom for everybody who's coming in in January to, again, continue to ask those questions, but in a slightly more personal way, right? And ask them of students, which, you know, of course our incoming new students can always email me and they hear from me often, but most of the time students want to hear from fellow students what the experience is like, right? And okay. so that was a new kind of series that we hosted this year with a lot of the effort, really. And a lot of the great work was done by two students who were Jans in the class of 2022, Emma and Alexia. And so they, I relied a lot on them for, for their great ideas and for a lot of the heavy lifting to host and, and put together fun social events via Zoom this past fall. Great. So obviously you and with the help of the wonderful students have done a lot to try to gear our new students up for their arrival on campus. But the next piece, of course, is orientation. And as is the case with everything this year, we've had to modify everything that we do. So how have you adjusted January orientation as it relates to quarantining and COVID-related regulations and safety protocols? Yeah, well, I feel like I learned a lot in August. And so a little bit I've used that August model, right? I didn't know going into August what on earth this quarantine was going to look like, <laughs> how we were going to sure. level, you know, how we were going to support students and help them feel connected while they were pretty much confined to their rooms for a few right. days. So in some ways, I think that the quarantine portion of January orientation will be a little bit more robust because of that kind of knowledge I've gained from my very first ever COVID orientation. In um, Dear diary. My second COVID orientation, hopefully my last, fingers crossed, and hopefully Hamilton's last, right? Everyone's last. Indeed. <laughs> and so, so a quick overview of this year's January orientation is that, of course, it will start with the period of quarantine on campus. All of our students who are coming to campus this semester will do about a five-day quarantine, and that's in line with Hamilton's guidelines, but also with New York State guidelines. So for our students, our new students who are coming to campus this semester and participating in on-campus orientation, they will spend the first five days in their rooms with their roommates, but there'll be a lot of programming and support for them. And then I do want to add that we have some students joining our community this semester who will not be studying on campus. They're coming to Hamilton sure. for the very first time. This is for many of them their very first semester of college, and they'll be studying remotely. So yep. there are 18 of those students, and we'll have another 58 new students on campus. So a pretty robust group, right? A very mm -hmm. sizable group for January. This is the largest number of new students we've ever had start in January, although we mm -hmm. always have a pretty good group of new students starting in January. So it's really exciting that they'll all be joining together at the same time and sharing in the orientation experience. And also, you know, they're a group of new students who I know are eager to make connections 
with one another, but also with other new students. And so it's in some ways, it's nice to have this mid-year revitalization of our community, right? To have new members here who are really interested in making friends and getting connected. Yep. Um, so that's a bit of the backdrop. So the first five days of orientation will be entirely virtual. And so new students will meet with their groups. There are quite a few required steps that are always involved in orientation, right? So these are largely about introduction to campus resources, knowing about things like the honor code, wellness resources at Hamilton. Some of it is about policies like our community standards, certainly around COVID and helping students to understand what the expectations are and some of the things that have been put in place to help keep our community safe. And there's certainly some academic resources that are offered during the week, things like library and research resources. So you've heard me say the word resource about 10 times already in about one minute. And that's pretty much the theme here, right? Especially for this first half of orientation. It's making sure that when the first day of classes rolls around on February 1st, all of our new students at least have an introduction to some of the basic things that are gonna help them during their time at Hamilton. And I often frame orientation as an introduction, right? It's not comprehensive, but sure. the goal is to just start those connections to say, okay, you might not know every wellness resource that exists on campus or every service the counseling center offers at the end of their presentation, but you should know there's a counseling center and now sure. you've got the face of someone, David Walden, who works in the counseling center. So when you have a question or you think, oh, I remember there was some other option, you know, maybe there was something I could go do in the counseling center that wasn't actually one-on-one -on -one counseling. What was it? You at least have a, a place to refer back to, right? A person, a website, a phone number, something like that. So that's one example. So it's it's really an introduction. So after these first five days, while students are in their rooms, you know, there'll be some fun things added into the schedule too. I promise it's not entirely presentations and talking about campus resources, but we'll do virtual trivia and the Office of Student Activities and the State of Programmers are hosting some fun events. And the orientation leaders are really geared up to create some virtual fun. They are really skilled at helping people to get to know one another and just kind of relax a little bit and have a chance to ask questions. So that's definitely woven through the schedule as well. As is some downtime, because I don't want anybody on their computer on Zoom for nine hours a day. So sure. that's not part of the schedule either. But one thing I was aiming to do is to really front load the schedule with some of these presentations, because on Friday, for those students on campus, the quarantine period should be wrapping up, right? After these two negative on-campus COVID tests, students will be able to come out of quarantine and explore campus. And I wanted to preserve those weekend days, Saturday and Sunday, for time to do just that, right? Explore, be out and about, get, get a sense for where things are on campus, where buildings are for your first day of classes, and also really to just sit casually around a table in commons. You know, we'll have to be socially distanced, but to talk with your orientation group in real life, right? Have people in front of you physically present, see your orientation leaders. We'll be doing this safely in small groups. Everything over the weekend, of course, will be masked and distanced. And a lot of it will be outside. So we'll be well prepared with our, our layers on. I'll be out there too. But we're going to do things like have time to go for a snowshoe kind of hike in the Glen, right? To get to know our beautiful campus Glens, which are an especially good resource in our current times when we can't spend quite as much time inside with groups of people. 
and when we're often on the computer more than we are exploring outside. So that's gonna be part of the schedule. There's time at the climbing wall. There is time to explore a new snow labyrinth that our chaplain, Jeff McCarney. Mm. There's gonna be scavenger hunts led by the leaders. And I promise we'll have some indoor time. I don't wanna freeze anybody's toes off, but I wanted to make sure that the weekend was really just about kind of fun, relaxation and social time, because I know that those are really some of the foundations mm -hmm. of feeling ready and prepared to be a Hamilton student. You know, if we spent the whole week talking about resources and policies, that's certainly helpful. But if you don't feel comfortable and if you haven't established a connection to another human at Hamilton, I think it's really hard to ease into all of the academic coursework and all of the other things that you have ahead of you that you can take advantage of, right? I think it's a lot easier to feel prepared and successful when you have had a chance to just sit around and talk to your peers and a couple of student leaders about what life is like at Hamilton. I just want to acknowledge that you've always been very good at setting appropriate priorities for what orientation is trying to do for students to help them be prepared. But I've been impressed and want our community to know that every time the rules change, every time the opening dates or what the quarantine protocols look like, Tessa has in a very professional way made sure that if there was a safe way to maintain in-person activities as part of orientation, that she made that a top priority. And I really appreciate that. Thanks. I, it's funny you brought that up because I, I was thinking the other day about how I feel like I'm always asking for an exemption for first year students, right? We come up with, a, and it's not an exemption from a policy. You know, we want to put a lot of safety protocols in place and that's extremely important to me too. But I, I never want to lose sight of the goals. And I always want to remember that for our new students, of course, we want them to follow all of our protocol and to be safe and healthy too, but not lose sight of the fact that new students don't have some of the established lifelines on campus that returning students do, right? They don't necessarily know a faculty or staff member well. They don't necessarily have friends that they can just fall back on and set up a, a group Zoom with, you know, for move-in, this is their first college move-in. And it's a really big moment that a lot of people look forward to. And so it is really important to me that we retain some of those traditions and those really important moments and connections to the best of our ability, even in the midst of, of a lot of very important and needed restrictions for, for the safety and well-being of our community. And I think we, as a college, have been able to balance that really well. And, you know, as much as you praise me, which I appreciate, I also want to add that every time I ask for something like that, every time I say like, okay, but can we quickly think about what's this going to mean for first-year students? And is it possible for them to bring a parent in the building when they move in? Because this is their first time moving into a college room. I have found that everyone at the college, all the way up to senior staff and the COVID-19 task force have understood what that means to the student experience and been willing to be flexible and work with me on a solution that honors the transition and newness of that experience for our new students. Agreed. Agreed. So this is a perfect time to transition the conversation because as you alluded to earlier, there are undoubtedly students who came here in August or maybe even came here in previous years. I know our Jan admits from last year had a very abbreviated what you might call typical on-campus experience and then it were 
had to leave campus and then had a fall that was what it has needed to be. And so there are lots of folks who are probably out there still looking for their people. Can you talk a little bit about what those students can consider doing in order to continue their search for their people and how that can dovetail with the welcoming of our newest students? Yeah, this has been a tough year. That's an understatement and we all know that. And, you know, earlier in our conversation, I was talking about the experience of being a new student and feeling like everybody else has their friends and you haven't found your place yet and how that often takes time. And that is so true in a normal year and not just at Hamilton, but at colleges across this country, right? It's actually been well studied and COVID sure did not make that any easier for anybody. And so I really want to start by acknowledging that there's just so many more hurdles to making friends and feeling socially connected this year than there ever have been in the past. And that's just layered on top of the, you know, the normal challenges of making a friend, which is hard at any stage of your life. One in interesting thing that I found in the fall semester too was talking to class students, returning students, right? Sophomores, juniors, and seniors who I really kind of somewhere in the back of my head had thought, well, they've got their connections and they probably are feeling pretty good or they're, you know, they at least have people that they can call up and go for a walk with outside, for example. But as the semester went on, I, I understood from our sophomores and juniors and seniors, some of the students I know, that they too were wanting to make new friends and connections and finding that a tricky thing to do, right? They really sure. valued I think every student I talked to understood, you know, the importance of keeping our community safe and why the policies that we have on campus existed and they appreciated that. All of us in all aspects of life, you know, as whether you're a student on campus or an employee at the college, really probably everybody at this point in the country and maybe even in the world, it has lost some of their social connection over this this recent year. And, and that's a lot to overcome because I think we rely on people so much for our own well-being, right? And so I just say most of that, not to be a downer, but to just kind of reflect on the fact that this, it is hard. It's a hard year to make friends. And I don't, I hope that no one is feeling like that is a reflection on them or right. this is that this somehow like projects what the rest of their college experience is going to be like, because I really don't believe that that's true. I think that it's going to get better and yep. I hope that it gets better sooner rather than later. Yep. And I hope, especially this year, as we move not from the warmth to the cold, but from the cold back to the warmth where we have longer days and can be outside more that, and ideally things ease up a little bit, that it will just improve for all of us. So I think I'd just start by saying that, as I touched on earlier, we have a new group of students joining our community, 58 on campus, another 19 remotely, and they'll be in classes with, with uh, other first-year students, and they are so looking forward to making friends and getting to know people. And so that's kind of a fresh start for all of us, right? A chance to connect with with other students, kind of going back to what I said at the beginning about the fresh start where I really love a new semester and the opportunities it presents. I think, again, there'll be a new club fair this year, right? Another chance to get connected with student organizations. I think we're all learning a lot more, both students and staff and faculty, about how to operate safely, but also 
you know, spend time with one another. And so I think as we move through that, we get a little bit closer and figure out some better ways to offer programming and resources to students on campus that allow for connections and how to focus our events on parts that are really needed this year, which is like actually having a chance to kind of sit down and have a conversation with another person, right? Not necessarily listen to a panel or watch a presentation, although those things are often very important and and valuable experiences, but just to be able to meet somebody and have a a little conversation, a little chit chat with them, right? Because that's how we find somebody who we want to invite to have lunch with us or go for a walk with us. So I think looking for those opportunities, right? Keeping an eye on your email, of course, and looking for opportunities to meet people. I can tell you, for example, that the first year experience is going to be doing a lot of events this semester really focused on that. We're also going to be releasing a survey probably in the next week or so of new students to ask them a little bit about what they found helpful last semester if they were on campus and what they really want to see out of programming this coming semester, right? How can we be supportive? How can we help people make connections? But a lot of what we are doing and what we found sort of towards the end of the fall semester and the first year experience we'll be doing again this semester is making spaces for those individual connections. So off the top of my head, some of the things we have coming up in the coming weeks are a big speed friending event. It'll be virtual, but we are going to put you into kind of quick breakout rooms with people. We'll give you some questions. It's a chance to do a really short one-on-one conversation in the same way you would with speed dating. And then we will provide Opus gift cards after the fact for people to go meet up in Opus, get a cookie or coffee, and actually have a conversation with somebody else. I spoke this morning with Paola Lopez from the Days Masolo Center about a fun little top secret for now, but a fun little like friend connection activity that we're going to do kind of modeled after the idea of secret Santa, but it's not about Santa or, or even really that secret, but to help people (laughs) connect. Okay. So maybe neither of those things, but the idea is, you know, sending mail and getting connected across campus. So we're going to be planning a little fun thing where we hope to match people up so that they can just make a new connection on campus. And then ideally, again, meet up in person. We did some kind of craft activities last semester, and we'll reproduce those again this semester where you just come, you can come totally by yourself, sit down, we'll set you up with a new person and you've got an activity to work on, like something hands-on to work on, but you can also have a conversation in the process, right? It's always good to have something to do. I think while you're also kind of starting up these ideally organic conversations with another person. So those are a lot of those are on our radar for the next few weeks, but we're going to continue to adjust as the semester goes, right? We're going to find things that work. We're going to collect feedback from students and we're going to do more things and ideally do them better in ways that can actually promote connection for new students. You know, we're talking about like maybe something like an indoor or even outdoor laser tag or like an Among Us gaming competition online when it's really cold outside and not everybody wants to go outside and get together. We'll hope to use the snow too. So we'll do like a guided snowshoe a little bit later in the semester. I know we're doing one early for that for our new January admits, but like a guided Glenwalk and guided snowshoe that are just for first year students so that you can specifically come by yourself, ideally, and know that you are in a, at an event that's for new students, for first year students designed specifically to get to know people. And we'll provide, you know, hot cocoa, we'll provide discussion questions and things like that. But it's also a chance to get to know the Glens. So we're doing things like that that are really built on opportunities to just strike up a conversation with someone and a chance hopefully to like create that little spark of a friendship so that you can continue to get together and create your own 
friendship throughout the course of the semester. But one thing I wanted to add to that, and Travis, I know you and I have talked about this before, is that there will be certainly events this semester. I think we're, we're figuring out how to host those safely, but one really crucial step in building those connections, those social connections, that's also probably the hardest thing to do is to bring some vulnerability to those moments, right? Sure. To, to Vulnerability can even look like actually going to things, right? right? Showing up for something, not knowing exactly what you're showing up for, but being willing to step out of your comfort zone, which is sometimes even harder on the cold 19 degree, degree days on College Hill, right? When it's dark outside or gray more often than not. You're um, terrible at marketing. But I know <laughs> that's why I don't work in right. the marketing department. Right. I've lived right. in upstate New York most of my life. And so I'm used to the gray. I'm not afraid of it anymore. Sure. We know that it gets better. But I, I think it's important to acknowledge that that's kind of the backdrop and that it does sure. present a challenge, kind of a mental, emotional challenge to getting up and getting outside and doing things. It's real. So you know, vulnerability can look like a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. It can look like that just actually stepping outside into the cold. Maybe you don't even like the snow and you've got to trudge across campus to go to an event, or maybe you're really not comfortable on Zoom, or maybe you feel like you don't know what to say to somebody when you first meet them, or you don't know how to strike up a conversation. A lot of this can be uncomfortable and scary, but those little moments of vulnerability are really going to give you the best rewards in the long run, right? Opening up joining an event that you aren't so sure you want to join, you know, walking across campus to trudge along on a snowshoeing trip, even if you don't say anything the whole time, right? But you might, you might meet somebody, somebody might ask you a question, somebody might ask for your name. Um, you might see somebody who you're already in class with, who you've been wanting to have a conversation with or get to know better. And none of that really can happen, even if you you know, feel like you're out there and you want to meet people. None of that can really happen without a little bit of vulnerability. So I would really encourage everybody, all of our new students, not just the ones coming in January, but the ones who came in August and our remote students to take one step, maybe even one step a week. I know that's a big ask, but like do one thing a week that feels a little bit vulnerable to get to know other people on campus and, you know, start to kind of acclimate to your new surroundings and I think it will yield good results yeah that's good I like that I sometimes think about how to move through the want to avoid vulnerability and or what would stop you and it's worth spending some time thinking about that if you're worried about how to strike up a conversation practice on someone practice with a sibling or a parent or a friend who you're already close with think through some things that you could say or ask about to break the ice. You know, I, it's cliche to talk about the weather, but it's something that you're all sharing in. So you can do that and you can be confident that that person also has that experience. And the other thing I will say is one of our colleagues has worked in higher education as has his partner for some amount of time. And when their daughter went off to college as a first year at a different institution, she struggled to meet people early on. And at one point they said, you know, who's in your hallway? And she said, well, you know, there's people and they all do things that don't interest me. And then there's those weird girls down the hall that never leave their room. And her parents who we know and work with said, 
they're you in another room. Like you need to go meet them because they probably also are sitting there wishing that they had other friends. And so as you think about who's snowshoeing ahead of you or next to you or behind you, you might want to go ahead and assume that they too are hoping that someone will strike up a conversation and are trying to build up the, the courage to strike up a conversation with you and how relieved they would be if you broke the ice. You shouldn't, it's easy to assume that someone else is looking at a situation very differently, but in reality, more often than not around these times of year, everybody else is wishing and hoping that someone would come up and be willing to be vulnerable because they're struggling to do that themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, it is almost always that way, isn't it? Right. We yeah. think that other people are much more confident than we are and more um, connected than we are. And in most cases, they're sitting there kind of thinking the same thing or telling themselves the same stories in their head that we are in a moment like that, especially kind of a socially pressured situation. Yeah, I'm, as you were talking and giving that example, I was thinking I'm as good as anybody else at coming up with excuses not to do things that I don't want to do, right? Not yeah. to do things that are uncomfortable to me, um, right? Like, oh, it wasn't quite the right time for me, or I had this other thing on my to-do list, or I'm not really good at snowshoeing. We keep using snowshoeing as an example, because <laughs> actually I think it's pretty fun. But like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know how to do Nordic skiing. So why would I go rent skis from the Glen house or why would I show up for that event? And it's so easy and so much easier probably to come up with those excuses to not do something or excuses for why something didn't quite go the way you wanted it to go. But I think often stepping out of our comfort zones and just trying something, it might turn out that we're really good at it, or it might be the way you meet somebody who's your best friend for four years. You know, it's impossible to know unless you actually get out there and try it. Absolutely. I will say that for my own personal, and I'm with you, Tessa, I can make all the excuses to help myself not put myself out there if that's how I'm feeling in a moment. But in the moments that I have been able to push myself, I have found great success in just naming, going back to vulnerability, naming what I'm feeling in that moment by saying something like, so let me make it awkward. And, and then I interject my like, and introduce myself, or let me make it awkward and come up to you and say that I too love the thing that's on your, the logo on your hat or on your shirt or the food that you're eating or whatever it is that you need to do to kind of strike up a conversation. I like to lead with that it's awkward. And oftentimes people will kind of push back and be like, it's not awkward at all. And then the conversation flows, but it is not uncommon that there's also a, a look of relief yeah. that if you name it as awkward and they are fine, but also feel awkward, it kind of makes an opportunity for some levity, but also to have an actual conversation. Yeah, I think especially as I get older, I also try to remind myself or ask myself the question, like, what is the worst thing that could happen, right? What am yes. I actually afraid of right now? And sometimes it is just that looking awkward, like, what if I say this thing? Or what if I ask this person, do they want to get coffee with me? And they make a weird face or they're like, I don't know. And the reality is probably if they didn't want to, they would just make up some friendly excuse. Sure. So that, you know, so that it wouldn't be awkward. And then that's it right? I haven't really lost anything in the moment. 
and it's not going to be this terrible experience really in the end. It's just, okay, I might feel a little sad for a second, and but I tried, right? I tried sure. to make a connection. But I do think more often than not, they are probably thinking the same thing. They too yeah. want to have somebody to have a meal with, or they too want to have a conversation and are looking for connections. And they'll be glad that you asked, right? Totally. Yeah. Uh, picture the, the dining hall scenario is the perfect example of that. The ask, is the seat taken? Asking that question, the response you'll get that's probably worst case scenario is, I'm sorry, it is. And even if that person is just terrified to talk to you or whatever it is, whatever their motivation for saying that it's legitimately taken or it's not, that's not so bad, right? right. But if they say, no, have a seat, you need to be prepared to then take one more step and engage in the conversation with them somehow. You can give it a second and let yourself calm down from the nerves that you had to build yourself up to ask the question in the first place. And then say, how's your day been? You know, whatever the, the opening question you're prepared to ask, but it, it's a two-step process more likely than not. You, they may take the other step for you, but in the, in the absence of that, just be prepared for that second step. But as you said, worst case scenario is not so bad. Anything we're missing? I don't think so. Well, thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. Of course, anytime. That was Tessa Shafalo, Director of Orientation and First Year Programs. Stay tuned for future episodes. This is Life on the Hill.